0: Adult. So I'm not really sure how we should properly start this. I think what we should do, and if you've heard any of our episodes before, you know that we never know how to open it, so we never really do, and we always suck at it.
1: Do we? I, think- oh, I thought it was a stylistic choice. Yeah, we were,
2: I thought it, yeah. We, artistic
1: to expression to or whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, we were purposefully doing that? Yeah, I think so.
0: Eh. <laughs>
1: Oops. I mean, we were making noises.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. In the right order. <laughs> Got it. Okay, fair enough. So, in the vein of terrible openings, <laughs> uh, I we're just throwing everyone into the into the fire
2: can here. I, can I just do all the right? Thing? So, in
0: the vein of terrible openings, following so far, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got um, shows from Raised by Spoilers coming out. We're going to be watching Dungeons and Dragons, the I think 2000, 2001
1: movie. Saw that in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, I've seen everything in theaters. Why is that surprising to you? That's true. That's true. So we're going to watch that. And then we're going to watch um,
0: a movie called Pathfinder, which has nothing to do with yeah. Paizo's Pathfinder. But we're going to versus them
1: anyway. What was that? 2007?
0: I have no idea. The DVD is sitting right over there. But like I don't know. Eleven or 12. Oh, it was more recent. Yeah. I, I will so. find out when we record it later this week. Cool. Uh, that being said. In the vein of uh, tabletop RPGs, obviously we love them here. We love, we love to hate them. There is one that we don't play very often. You don't play very
1: often. Ah, okay, you're right. That's I also cool. probably don't play very often.
3: Wait, is Pathfinder the Native American versus?
1: Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Natives versus Vikings movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. With Carl
0: okay. Urban. Yes, it is. I saw that one. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna watch. Uh, so on that <laughs> day, we brought. That's one of the
1: better sled kills out there. It's, supposedly, <laughs> I heard it's pretty good. It, it's fun. It's, it, you were lied good, to. It is not good, it's good. fun. Yeah, That's it's not corrective. good. It's That's fun, corrective. yeah. Oh, those are a severe <laughs> distinction.
0: So I have brought... <laughs>
1: it's, it's
0: flaccid. Don't worry about
1: ripped. it. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it, okay? It's fine. It's I fine. have brought on a
0: special guest for us to talk about a third
1: tabletop RPG.
0: Again, but, but wait, wait, wait.
2: wait. But who are we?
0: <laughs> oh, is,
2: right. This is Road to of Geek Official <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: so my name is Alex Austin. With us on the pod today, we have... I'm going to die by the end of this episode, Plubby and Adam. (laughs) And just wrong. And we have a very
2: special guest on today. Adam, why don't you introduce him?
0: No, I'm going to let him introduce himself because this way he can plug his own show. (laughs) Way to flip it and reverse it. (laughs) Okay.
3: Fair enough. I'm here for the chaos, apparently. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) my name's Charlie. I GM and do a bunch of other stuff. It's called the Negative Modifier Podcast, an actual play podcast that. We like to play the spooky stuff, for lack of a better phrase. Um, nothing against the more fantasy-driven stuff, but we tend to kind of veer into the Call of Cthulhu's, the rooms the Darks shit, if you will, with some frequency. And I plan here to talk about this game called Delta Green that I'm sure the people at Arc Dream are like, oh, someone's talking about our game again. Crap, it's the guys from Negative Modifier
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> it's only ever those guys. Well, technically seems to be occasionally. we're talking with you, so I mean, you know, there's that. <laughs>
0: So, no, I was very interested in this. I was listening to uh, your actual play and uh, I I saw your, at first I started off with a little summary of what you guys play and I went, Delta Green, Cthulhu, what? I've never heard of this. And I got really interested because I played Cthulhu twice in my career time. Never once did my character survive a session. You
1: only played like the 1920s Cthulhu too, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I know you, Rob, have played a lot more.
1: Of that? Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. But I thought you played another more modern I,
1: I did play a modern one um, where we played facsimile characters of ourselves. Got it. And that was a shit show. <laughs> it was fun, though.
0: Nice. So, all right, Charlie, talk about your... Uh, what I wanted to start with to get these guys primed is your latest story arc that you're on right now. Because you've gone a few series... What's the latest Yeah. Thing?
3: So at time of recording we are in the ends of we've recorded it already. We were putting up the final episodes of our um most recent Delta Green campaign called Hawthorne's Crusade, which is a in typical Delta Green fashion, a tale of conspiracy. I guess spoilers for really late on in the stuff, but basically it's there is some thing going after the organization known as Delta Green through essentially weaponizing, what's referred to as mythos incursions or events or items or entities basically the kind of like they understand the whole idea of like if you if you piss something off in the right way delta green will come and investigate that if you set it up in the right way you can then use that as a trap where it's like yeah if you make them underestimated or kind of not quite grasp what's going on or just kind of hide how incredibly dangerous a situation actually is turns out you can get people that way
0: yeah that's awesome wait, wait is that what delta green the organization the in-universe organization does is they basically trick people into thinking they're doing something a lot easier than they are? Um, no.
3: So, in-universe, Delta Green is kind of split in half. You have what's now called the Outlaws in the program, and that's a whole bunch of lore stuff doesn't matter for this conversation. But it basically boils down to you have this super non-official, maybe recognized by very specific people, but probably not covert thing within the U.S. government and or just a bunch of people that know about kind of the hidden truth of the world, which is, hey, the Cthulhu Mythos is a thing. They don't know what the Cthulhu Mythos is. They don't know the exact details of it. They know occasionally, like, weird reality-bending events, creatures, spells, items pop up in the modern era. It's called hypergeometry in the game setting. And it turns out that the wrong person with the wrong item can do a variety of weird stuff what kind of makes the game the game is that it takes the cthulhu mythos and then kind of filters it through a very modern interpretation of things it's not so much about kind of your mask wearing robe wearing underground tunnel inhabiting cult it's more about like uh what's the right phrase like a it company that accidentally stumbles upon a code yeah. that was whispered to them by some eldritch entity yeah. that maybe makes you want to kill yourself Think and of... they're using that in kind of their it program they don't realize it and one in eight
1: people that sign up for their Zoom meeting
3: suddenly feel the compulsion to rip their
1: eyes out. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know what, uh, a really easy tangent to consider if you've ever played, like, Control, and you combine that with, like, Cthulhu. Yeah, that's a a pretty common comparison. Yeah, yeah. Adam's never, of course, played Control because he's a fucking idiot, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, like, no, I I have not. (laughs) Think, think, like, the SCP Foundation. It's kind
3: of like that. Yeah, it's similar. They're separate. Where SCP is very... So the biggest difference is that where SCP and Control have funding and are kind of legitimate, Delta Green, it's not clear exactly how legitimate it is, and everything you're doing is somewhere between completely illegal and exceedingly illegal. You are impersonating (laughs) federal officers, you are often just constantly breaking the law. The flip side of that is you're typically playing people that have some federal investigatory power, your characters are, DEA agents, FBI agents, CDC members... Occasionally, like a lawyer of some kind so you kind of know what you're doing is bad and it's the whole idea of like okay we're gonna do something bad to prevent something way worse from happening and that's kind of yeah. the game's themes start kicking up where it's you're never the good guys in Delta Green. you may do a good thing or stop a bad thing from happening but the path to that is never good you and typically do something fucked up along the
0: way no matter what you do you will be yeah. the first after about three seconds of deliberation to kill a child to potentially save the world
3: oh yeah no the, um, there's um uh upcoming campaign called god's teeth that the correct decision at one point is to kill a bunch of kids like that's the type of game it is, like it is. yeah and unequivocally
0: to kill a bunch of
1: kids i love it
0: uh, this brings a whole new meaning to anakin skywalker yeah i think I he was, was just trying to save us from cthulhu i was gonna say
2: the star wars episode three followed the same
0: kind of storyline <laughs> 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 all right so th- that that sounds actually really fucking cool yeah no it is <laughs>
2: That sounds amazing, actually. and I, I, Obviously, I'm the least experienced at Tabletop out of everyone here, and this sounds like something I'd, I'd love to play. Like This is cool. Yeah, stuff.
3: so that's the thing. Delta Green's one of those games that, like, if you're a fan of X-Files, certain video games, Ooh. the SCP Foundation, mm-hmm. or just kind of like true crime drama, it's got some hooks. And where it differs pretty substantially from Call of Cthulhu is your characters were actually kind of good at their jobs. Like, they are... The the joke I often make is the fact that, like, stat-wise, you're at the high end of average if you build a character to be kind of an average build. And it sounds weird to say it, but, like, imagine if you were at the high end of average and everything, like, average charisma, average strength, average dexterity. Imagine how much better that would make you than, like, the Mm. person you are, where it's like, no, I'm... Above average strength, I'm above average dexterity, I'm above average kind of charisma. That's way better than being a normal person it's at like, that point. And you can mm, kind of build in further from there.
0: It's like being a
1: real human being. So you're yeah, more exactly.
0: like instead of being whereas like D D and Pathfinder are a little bit closer to a Marvel heroes slash, you know, DC heroes, this is you're more like James Bond. Not even. You're more kind
1: of Oh, you're not even as good as James Bond. Oh. Have no. you seen
0: the movie Sicario?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh wow, that's a good uh that's, that is
3: a, um, co- the joke in the Delta Green community is that's a no
1: mythos Delta Green operation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds great. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's that's cool as hell. I'm sorry, just running that through my head, just so much funnier the, uh, the longer I think about it. Uh, that, yeah, that was... that's like a good version of Delta Green.
3: Mostly Delta Green's a bunch of like 30 and 40 year olds that are like on their second marriage or have been divorced once and are like, Guess I got to go stop some deep ones now. I don't know what a deep one is, but I was told there's some fish people causing a problem in this lakeside town. So, yep. <laughs>
0: nice. Okay, so I got to add that given my history with Call Through, I've done two sessions with it and only one I can vaguely remember. I made a huge mistake and I wasn't, I think my DM didn't set up the scenario right. I was so used to playing Pathfinder and D&D 3.5. Did you try and fight? Yes. So you immediately did the wrong thing. Exactly. I wasn't set up with it, right? My player my my DM's like, okay, here's a character. He helped me build the character at the start because, you know, there's
1: <laughs> no disclaimer, good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I think I had to get into a club or something, and there was a bouncer, and I tried to fight the I was supposed to be like a cop. Right. And I tried to fight the bouncer off duty, so I didn't have a gun on me. And right. I just got my ass beat.
1: Yeah, yeah. So remember yeah. Call of Cthulhu is the game where, like, I made a character, and you know me, I'm a veteran player. I probably played through one and a half scenes, and at that point I got hit by a bust of a marble statue that somebody was holding in their hand, not much bigger than a cell phone, and I died. (laughs) (laughs) So Delta Green's not that different from that. The one, I guess, like, we'll get into kind of the specifics
3: of it. So back in 1997, Delta Green was actually an offshoot of Call of Cthulhu. It was the Call of Cthulhu rules, like the original Delta Green game was a call of cthulhu hack mod i'm not sure what the right phrase for it is but it used that i think it was fifth edition at that time and then in 2016 it got re-released as a full standalone thing oh. and one of the big cells of delta green is that it streamlines and kind of actually makes the combat rules functional to go along with the fact that like your characters have access to kevlar vests and handguns and shotguns mm-hmm. and yeah it's not going to stop like a monster but like you're playing a federal agent of some kind, you have access to some tools at that point, so probably you're okay at that. But also using getting to the club perspective, as a club Cthulhu player, you're probably like, oh, I'm trying to be sneaky or talk my way through through. As a Delph screen player, you go, I have a warrant that may or may not be fake. Let me in your goddamn club.
0: <laughs> so given <laughs> its its origin from obviously when it first came out, it, right? It was a I don't know, i I just call it a setting, right? You it's just a setting. It doesn't change the rules yeah. to Pathfinder. Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't change the rules, it's just it's just a settings uh, thing. Given the change from that and how it was based on Call of Cthulhu, the Delta Green new rule set, which um, I think you said was 2016, 2018, yep, 16. 2016. Um, so it it comes out. How different is it from the Call of Cthulhu? Is it more just a refinement, you say, or is it, or is it, drastic, like, does it use different dice? If you've uh, used the, they're both percentile based systems. If you're used to Call of
3: Cthulhu, okay. making the jump to Delta Green is quite easy. Making the jump from Delta Green to Call of Cthulhu was often a bit maddening because, well, you come to really appreciate just kind of some of the choices that were made in the Call of cthulhu in the in the Delta Green kind of refinement of the rules. Um, they're both percentile-based systems, so okay. it's still kind of rolling under, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of just no, no change there. It's it's hard to explain the exact differences, but when you've played a lot of both of them, comparing the two is like, yeah, you can totally run Call of Cthulhu stuff in Delta Green pretty easily, and people do that all the time running Delta Green stuff with Call of Cthulhu rules is a great way to get an entire party killed pretty quickly. Awesome. It's just not kind of geared towards that aggression of play. Like, it's... Where Call of Cthulhu is kind of this methodical whiskey or gin soaked slow burn, Delta Green is the same thing, but also, like, you're not drinking good alcohol, you're drinking like, wild turkey, and you're going, well, this plan's half cocked, let's go in
0: anyway.
1: (laughs) Drinking wild turkey. (laughs)
0: i to use that later. So the... Okay, all right. We're talking about the system. So I see that the new... It's based on... I I'm just saw this now. It's based on some gun, gumshoe system, which is hilarious. No, so
3: that's a separate thing. So there's three Delta Green games at this point. There's original Delta Green that came out in 1997. There's 2006 which is a standalone thing. And then there's Fall of Delta Green which came out in 2018. That is a gumshoe game. And it fills in kind of a gap in the Delta Green setting where... Uh, so the 1997 version, the kind of Cthulhu offshoot of it is very kind of, what's the right phrase Um, of its time. It's very kind of sci-fi and kind of UFO culture geared in some ways. It's very into kind of clandestine organizations and secret kind of groups and very conspiracy driven The world has changed. Some stuff has evolved kind of the relationship the authors have to the Cthulhu mythos has changed with it some too. And the 2016 version is a whole standalone thing where, some rules have been changed, like and both relate back to this thing called The Fall of Delta Green, which is actually the name of the gumshoe game, which is basically, up until a certain point of time, Delta Green is just another agency, kind of or maybe not an agency, but kind of a semi-recognized part. Of, the name literally is a security clearance in the lore kind of thing. The name of the game is Delta Green, which means you said Delta Green clearance, which was an especially high clearance, and you knew about certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the case of this, it was, you had an event happen during the Vietnam War that suddenly made a bunch of people realize hey, we have this paramilitary organization, part of the U.S. government, that has no oversight. Maybe we need to get rid of that, actually. <laughs> and they're going on hunting aliens and other stuff, and they occasionally bring back some really weird stuff, but also they're busy like burning buildings to the ground and saying, we had to do it, don't ask any more questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm getting a strong feeling, almost uh, a less powered version. I forget the, the name of that group. Is from Hellboy. Fist. yeah similar um yes again
3: similar vibes it's trafficking kind of a thing like it's it can be described as men in black but with less funding and more kind of eldritch horror as opposed to aliens yes. it's kind of very controlled it's very scp it's very kind of what's the very for paranormal defense it's kind of um the fear franchise the three video games that are kind yes. of they have some kind of overlap with it it's it's a game that kind of you can link a bunch of things to it but still somehow you're never kind of fully overlapping it's like the closest thing is definitely control and it still feels wildly different just because it's a different setting at that point. It's a drastically kind of
0: different thing. So this gumshoe system for this new, I guess it's a prequel um, is not related. It's not the same system at all.
3: Um, No, it's a gumshoe game. It's it. It has kind of its it has the plus and minus of gumshoe. I don't like gumshoe because it kind of makes combat feel a little trivial. Basically, it's you do a thing. If it succeeds, it succeeds. If it fails, it fails. And then it's like, and it's over. Like, you successfully subdued the mm. thing. It's like, oh, okay, cool.
0: There's a little less thought going into each action. Oh, no,
3: there's there's more thought, but it's kind of a <laughs> mind-numbing thought. <laughs> No, one say that. Even like, it's, it's not, it's not a firefight. Like, it's you do the things. I shoot the thing in the head. You successfully do or don't do that, and you kind of roll till you successfully do what you want to, and that's like, okay, it's been shot in the head. Delta Green's like, you shot it in the head. Okay, cool. Do it again because it didn't kill it.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, just a back and forth success. For yeah, you know. yeah. Okay, that that can be pretty bad. That's... I guess I'm, I'm a little bit curious. Like, what are, what are the
2: bullet points, Charlie? So for people, uh, I'm guessing your group had you guys played uh, Call of Cthulhu any of the earlier like regular campaigns before getting into Delta Green.
3: I have. um, Most of my group had not, so one of the kind of (laughs) fun jokes in the Delta Green community is the fact that the best Delta Green groups are the ones that no one's played Delta Green before or knows the Cthulhu mythos, (laughs) because... And going back to kind of the comparison of the two games, Call of Cthulhu wants to teach you about the Cthulhu mythos, Delta Green doesn't care if you learn anything, but it feels like you're interacting with something unnatural. Like, the game is very much about, like, never actually name stuff. And if you do, make it a big deal that you named something. Like, oh, that's cool as hell. Never call it deep in a deep one. Make it Like, that's, yeah, weird fish people. Like, play up the angle of, we don't know what it is, but it's fish people. That's probably a bad thing.
2: Yeah, it's really fascinating because, like, you would think that, like, obviously this would be geared toward people who already knew the Eldritch Mythos, but I, I love that you're saying, like, oh, no, this is actually, like, kind of geared toward people who wouldn't know much about that, and it could be really exciting for
3: them to kind of yeah. learn
2: about it as they go along, because uh, yeah, I, I definitely I, fall into that camp.
3: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where kind of, like, it's the knowing something about it makes it fun. Like, I'm not saying don't play if you know a bunch of Cthulhu stuff. Like, there's no rule against that. You'll, you'll still have a lot of fun with the game, but, like, it's a game that requires no understanding of kind of setting beyond, hey, you're a federal agent... And you're doing an investigation to something weird. Um, the kind of infamous, generally viewed as the best, or kind of one of the better introductory scenarios is something called Last Things Last, which comes free with the Quick Start Delta Green book. And What what was it called? It's called Last Things Last. Last uh, the thing. book is called um, Need to Know. It's free on Drive Through and a bunch of other stuff in PDF format. It's a quick start for the game. And it's we have it actually on the podcast, too, back in our Cell campaign, uh, campaign. It's the one kind of as-written, as I call it, stuff from Arc Dream that you we covered at one point. So yeah, it's it, it, at no point ever actually tells you what the eldritch thing you're dealing with is. And you never have to know. It's, it does script up of just kind of being like, yeah, something weird's going on. I'm How leading, do you react to that?
0: I'm going to lead this question into a certain direction here. So I'm going to ask one question. And it's leading into the next one. Um, so given that you don't have to um, tell what kind of enemies you're talking about, how, how many other types of tabletop RPGs have you dabbled in and, and give or take is how much experience with like d Oh, that's a fun. dangerous question because I can list that for
3: a while. Um, the main one, I've been let's just r- the main ones. Yeah, I've been playing tabletop RPGs for roughly 15 years on and off at this point and not just kind of horror facing stuff. I just prefer the horror facing mm-hmm. stuff. Um, that's specifically, not I mean, you don't have to name stuff like. I'd make the argument that unless like your characters managed to identify something, you should never be naming something because how the hell do they know the name of something? They don't know what it is, but that's Mm. a separate topic.
0: Yeah, because the the reason I'm trying to bring back this in is because that sounds I can't tell if not naming the enemies, not giving details to certain things, right? Whether it's a a creature or a, a mythos item or something like that. Is that easier and ho- or harder as a DM? Because you can't just say, oh yeah, no, it's it's the thing that you already know that it is. And this way I don't have to describe it anymore. But you have to find ways to describe things to players that probably all... Re- like, how do you describe... Obviously you would never do this. But how would you describe Cthulhu without letting cluing into the players that... Oh, it's a big tentacle creature the size of like the Empire State Building comes out of the water and has tentacles out of its face. You're like, ah, oh, that's I mean, Cthulhu.
3: <laughs> that's what you say at that point. Like, if they know what Cthulhu is, they know what Cthulhu is. But I'll, I'll counter that with like, if I say it's a Liligore, do you know what the hell a Liligore is?
0: Not a fucking clue. Exactly. Yeah. it's
3: It cuts both ways. Like, yeah, you know the famous stuff, but also if someone listens to this that's a big Cthulhu, then they're going, how the fuck do they know what a Liligur is? They're so cool and weird and dinosaurs, but also sentient rocks. And it's like, no, it. It cuts both ways at that point. Like, it's the, the big stuff people know about, but, like, also, I could describe word for word what the description in most of the books are of something like Yogg-Sethoth or Nyarlathrotep is, and mm-hmm. there's no way you'd get that unless I dropped the name of it. Like, I'm sorry, does anyone know what the name for a big sentient collection of glowing red orbs is? Because <laughs> it's one of the two things I just said, but I'm not saying which one it was. <laughs>
0: i'm just i I struggle with the idea because i just did uh in pathfinder a adventure called um oh my strange aeons and it was very much based around the king in yellow and so there are so many times where my dm uh, someone he would start describing you know certain features of the king in yellow and we'd all be like yeah yeah we we all know who that is thank you very much (laughs) you could have just said the name um, how do you get around that? Do you do you spend a lot of time describing um known creatures? Because I'm guessing your players have they played as long as you have, the ones on, on not as long podcast?
3: as I have, but at the same time they kind of know stuff at this point. I also invent my own stuff with some frequency, I think. Oh, nice. That's One of, of the things that makes one of the things that makes Delta Green and Deltrine is the fact that it's again this kind of reimagining through a modern lens mm. what an Eldritch horror is. Like it's one of those ones where we know what a deep one is. We kind of know roughly in Call of Cthulhu land what that means, but Deltrine kind of, not quite actively, but kind of almost passively encourages you to be like, but what would a deep one in the middle of a Louisiana bayou look like? Like, what is that? (laughs) That's cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool to think about.
3: It's like, adaptation's a thing, evolution's a thing, these things are all smarter than people, so they're not staying stagnant, or if they are, Hmm. they have good reasons to do so, and they're still whatever the hell they were previously. And again, like, it's not, the game has functional combat rules, you are kind of ultimately kind of sometimes going up against man versus monster, But half the time, it's also just kind of reimagining what a thing would manifest as. Um, One of the more famous kind of Delta Green things out there is something called Impossible Landscapes. And the first chapter of it is something called Night Floors, which is the inspiration for a couple Netflix shows out there. It's very famous within certain circles of just being a hell of a scenario to go through. And there's technically no monsters in it. There are now, but they're not the main central focus of it. The main central focus of that entire story is that there's a fifth story on the top of an apartment building that only shows up at night. That is definitely not actually there, but it seems infinite and that's who, and that just is super weird.
0: Yeah. That is so like it, it there, there's so many things that it's so different than the way I'm used to doing it. Cause I'm so used to, um, power fantasy. Really? That's yeah. that's what they are. And this is, I, I have always wanted to go back to this. this is why I was so intrigued by, by your podcast I've always wanted to go back to that methodology at least once or twice. I don't know if I could do it all the time. No, your players will kill you. Well, I mean, our group. Our group would. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, what, what I mean is, how so in your adventures that you tend to run, I know there's a huge thing in Call of Cthulhu where it's like, yeah, great, we solved this, you know, we stopped this ritual this time. Barely, you know, we got lucky, um, but somehow the book escaped our grasp and we are now, you know, step one step forward two steps back all the time mm-hmm. how, so there's sorry i'll just finish yeah, I kind of how do you measure success as your players? because obviously your players have to you want them to have a feeling of success but then also the next adventure
3: yeah so there's kind of two answers to that and <laughs> one of them's a bit of a joke in the delta green community is that every call of cthulhu scenario is just the introduction to a delta green scenario like oh, that whole kind of mystery oh, question mark at the it. end nice. is your setup for okay yeah now the professionals are showing up and it's real quaint that you uh, art students figured out how to close this book we're gonna go burn it now because that's what you should have always done
1: ah yeah. okay or, or the case of my party it's like oh you've summoned uh God by accident you morons
3: <laughs> yeah and then that and so the other kind of answer to that too is the fact that Delta Green's not about fixing anything like the games were explicit about the fact that like this is not staving off the apocalypse the apocalypse is coming it is inevitable like humans can't beat the old ones they can't beat cthulhu when it comes kind of when push comes to shove but what you can do is stop the ticker from progressing so for every delta green operation you're not so much trying to fix the world you're just trying to stop the world from getting a little bit worse and it's a whole mindset to it. it's a very bleak setting in a lot of ways like again it's one of the few games I describe as very kind of like it's 13 plus or PG 13, or maybe even R depending on how you run it. Like our podcast falls somewhere in between kind of that PG 13 and a definitely an R rating depending on the arc where it's right. like, no, the endings are not happy. The ending to the J files. Our first campaign is bleak and sudden and no one likes it because it's like, well, they fixed the problem. No, they didn't. <laughs> like the, end. the game kind of encourages the idea of like life is often disappointing and you don't always get closure like you, you, you fix the thing cool what does that mean like you have 12 dead cultists a burning cult compound and yeah you stopped this time but also
0: at what cost too at what right? cost yeah. exactly yeah. yeah so have you had to struggle with new players or even existing players coming to the end of an adventure or a scenario or whatever the case is and that feeling of I, I accomplished nothing. Like, how many players have you churned through effectively <laughs> that just don't uh, cut some, it?
3: Some, I I benefit from the fact that kind of people seem to enjoy the ride I put them through. And there's a separation. Like, if I'm doing an operation. Operations typically have an ending that at least is kind of like on a on a graph of kind of positivity angled up. Like, it's like, yeah, we did the thing. We stopped the thing from happening. We've, we've closed the weird investigation, I guess. It's kind of when you take the in campaigns, you kind of take the step back and look at the kind of more macro approach to It's like, okay, cool. You stopped this cult. How many other cults are there? It's like, oh, well, you stopped the branch of this cult that was happened to live in Alabama. Congratulations. That's just one branch. And maybe the branch, like, it's, it's, it's very different. Where it kind of, the operations have to have an ending to them. They kind of to typically end in kind of some big thing that happens. And if you survive and kind of persevere through that, you feel accomplished. And, like, yeah, you did the thing, is the phrase I always use. But, yeah, you kind of take the larger zoomed out <laughs> perspective. The bleakness sets in, where it's like, yeah, you did the thing, but one agent died, and
0: so they're just people before it had also
3: a two type of thing.
0: They're designed to give you that feeling of I checked the box, but then at the same time, is it zooms out and shows you like a million boxes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's actually a good way of describing. It. And it's not design designed to do that, but that's kind of the, the, the,
3: the prevailing feel of it. I think that's the correct way of running it. Where like you have the momentary moment of like, yeah, we did, we stopped the thing. And if you're smart enough to kind of like extrapolate what that means, it's like, no, no, we killed a thing. There's probably like 10 more of these out there probably, right. or at least 10 type of thing. And that's a problem unto itself.
0: The, hmm. the, the, so part of the reason why I, I started thinking about these things and this style a lot more often recently is on Netflix, there's been, I think, what, two major series that really tickled my fancy, which was, oh my God, what was the, there was one that it was about a, a vhs of like a uh there's like a archive 81 yeah that's it archive 81
3: so that's actually the one of the things i was referencing so if you go and check if you um go and run down the podcast that inspired that show it lists impossible landscapes night floors as a direct uh, inspiration for it that's kind of one of the inspirations for the entire story
1: so there's like a lot of the night floor stuff just like subliminal or subliminal spaces is that essentially the idea um
3: can be. Uh, it's it's different. Like, it's definitely Night Floors is its own thing, and Archive 81 is definitely its own thing. They're both kind of king and yellow stories at the end of the day, though, too, in yeah. their own interpretations. Obviously, Archive 81 stuff has this demon that lives in other stuff, and it's it's of its own thing. It's spoilers, I guess. There's a Call of Cthulhu episode in it that happens that if you're a Zelda Green player, you go, hey, it's the Call of Cthulhu intro to this whole mess.
0: Nice. But, yeah. <laughs> All right.
3: Yeah. oh and I guess like you may have mystics you weren't looking out for at the time but um, one of the characters makes reference to there's an agency that deals with this stuff
0: in that show oh okay okay yeah no I, I, you don't uh, the thing is is uh, ge- I'll, I'll be honest generally when I'm when I'm listening I I tend to do like 12 things at once so I like to put it yep. on in the background I listen to it um, and so I, I'm getting bits and pieces and it, usually it's the drama pieces. It's the drama action that. Yeah, like, oh, a when, when couple a, a moment. moments
3: in the show that like heavily imply the dad is. It's not a licensed thing, so it's not Delta Green, but like he's part of something that's basically Delta Green. Like there's some implications in the show that like several characters. The reason the house burned down is because that's how Delta Green deals with problems. You burn the thing to the oh, ground. Oh,
0: that's what they were making a reference to in all. Yeah, in, in that. Oh, okay. The solution Wild. is fire. I guess that makes sense. I I obviously had I didn't know delta green prior to watching that show, i there was no connection no
2: yeah I, it's, oh,
3: cool. you don't need to know it about that type of thing like it's more just that's the hidden history of this if you will that like if you're a delta green fan there's a couple other things out there that you'll watch and go hey i know what they're referencing or yeah i can't say the word delta green can you because that's a copyright violation <laughs> but it's totally
0: a delta green thing ain't it so i, I want to start asking about your shows specifically so i i don't hear dice rolling ever in your recordings mm-hmm. Yes. Um that's a uh, stylized choice, but also because we use um roll twenty. Uh okay, that's was my curiosity is. you use the system, you use this percentile system, but I don't ever hear dice. I didn't know if there was something going on in the background. So you guys are on roll twenty in the background and, yeah. and and while you're um recording you're you're actually playing the it's live at the time, but obviously it's pre recorded.
3: Yeah, so the um, yeah, the, no actual dice rolls for us just because it's a little bit easier and kind of keeps it on. The entire show's actually filmed remotely. Like we all like, we're now kind of spread across four different states, right? three different states for that show, for the show at this point. Yeah, oh, damn. One of the guys lives up in Oregon. One of the guys lives in um, kind of middle of kind of four hours from north where I am. At, and one of the guys lives near me. But yeah, it's we use roll twenty because it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I also it's a pretty stylized choice at that point where. What we're trying to do, it's like okay, you could either I could put in the dice rolling sounds, but it's also like now nah, we just list off the number, and it's the same thing at that point. And yeah, I don't know I, I, it makes it a cleaner episode in my perspective. It kind of keeps the focus on everything else going on, and not just like hey, mm-hmm. here's the dice roll and the always plausible. Like hey, it's it's a, a cracked die. What do I do? It's like now nah, just roll the
0: random number generator. It
3: seems to work out just fine.
0: Yeah, it was just weird when I first started listening to it. it was like, I I couldn't tell at first whether you were live, air quotes live or actual plane. Or whether it was more of a like a, I don't want to say pre-recorded, but re- pre-told story to a small degree. But
3: I appreciate as, the fact you couldn't tell. Yeah, it's kind that's of good. our intention to a certain yeah. extent. Yes, yeah. yeah, it, that's low production quality we go for.
0: Yeah, exactly. There, there's moments where I'm like, oh wait, no, that guy's thinking about what to say, and obviously it's very clear once you get past like two hours yeah. in or something. But uh, it was very interesting, and that's why it confused me. So, okay, so that's how you guys do that um, when you make your. Uh, your your story arc, your drama, all that fun jazz, um, what kind of, do you have a tendency to watch stuff anymore as inspiration, or do you even have to do that anymore? Or do you? Go- I think
3: you always have to be watching stuff as a, like, just game master in general, you should always be watching and reading stuff, like, there's always something out there that gives you some idea that you can mess with, and I, I think when people kind of get too locked into one source of inspiration for something, that's when things fall apart, like Am I going to say that like a bunch of our stuff doesn't take some reference from somewhere? Nah, it's, at least for this season, it's pretty much kind of stuff I came up with on my own with some references. I have one of the arcs, though, like if you are big into the show Bones, you realize that one of the story arcs we have is just full of Bones references and it's definitely inspired by kind of the parts of that show I found interesting. It's completely separate beyond like, hey, one of the main characters is the two main characters of that show's name smashed together. But beyond that, like it's it's more kind of the feel of that show and kind of the idea of, like, it's lots of artifacts in one place. It's entirely New Sam as opposed to kind of a different setting. But, yeah, it's it varies, I think. Like, the stuff we have for... J-Cell's all kind of just stuff I came up with on my own, just kind of ideas I was messing around with or just, again, kind of... It, because it's a reimagining of how the mythos interacts with something because you kind of some interesting things to play with where it's not... You don't have to do the same thing twice. And you can get really weird or kind of keep it very grounded if you... Depending on your feeling type of thing. Like, in... Crusade, our current crusade, we run everywhere from, like, weird eldritch bugs to a ghost house that may or may not exist that has tendency to eat campers to eldritch abomination networking systems. <laughs> wow.
2: And like there's other weird stuff in between, because yeah, it's just systems? kind of
3: reimaginings.
0: Like IT networking systems? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
3: <laughs> that's actually the, yeah, you, I'm not sure how far you got into our, uh, the kind of the campaign, but... That starts showing up around, there's hints at it in the, in the third arc, but the fifth arc is where it kind of makes its big debut of, okay, yeah, this is me reimagining some big eldritch entity, if it was kind of, what would this look like, or how would it manifest in the modern era? Where it's like, yeah, back in the olden 1920s, it was this or that type of thing, but like, in the modern era, what is a thing with a billion eyes? Oh, it's a surveillance network, or it's just like a network system that's, Capable of like integrating itself with your phones and just doing stuff you don't want to do necessarily at that point. That's so cool.
2: I almost it kind of reminds me of like, uh, remember the cicada, whatever number thing from the web? Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's kind of like that. It's like, where's it gonna lead? Kind of thing. Like, that's
3: no. you joke about that. We actually have a reference to cicada in the kind of later parts of the scene. Oh, that's great. That's great. I lean into the fact that it's a CIA recruiting tool. I'm like, no, one of the characters works for the CIA. And I'm like, you might know this as a, as a recruiting tool kind of thing. Like, maybe it's a thing, but I like, choose to believe it is. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I figured this was right up your alley, Alex, because I've been trying to get you more into tabletop RPGs. Yeah. And I know that you are like dick hard about conspiracy theories. Oh, this tickles many bones. Yes.
2: <laughs> so it definitely does. I, I think this sounds really Excellent. cool. Yeah, and I like the uh, I like that there's still uh, I was just reading a little bit about it. There's still the madness element in it, sanity. Yes. Yeah. Like I really like that. So, uh Charlie, was there maybe you could just yeah, for our listeners, was there ever a time in maybe like one of your prior story arcs or prior seasons where sanity really took a toll on a player and it really affected the outcome of that storyline or the outcome of, of that playthrough?
3: Uh, we definitely have some of that stuff. So, a big kind of integral part um again, one of the big differences between Delta Green and kind of Call of Cthulhu is where the Sandy mechanics is kind of another health bar in some ways in Mm. Call of Cthulhu. It is an integral part of Delta Green. It's called the spiral where as your character loses Sandy, they get actively worse at certain stuff. Like there's a variety of disorders that kick in. There's also a thing called the bond system where basically it's, you have based on kind of what character you're playing, you have a set number of the people in your life you care about. And mechanically they manifest as kind of Sandy armor from a kind of more storyteller role play narrative perspective. As you basically literally burn through your friendships and your marriages and your relationships, it manifests like it's you're offloading the crazy shit you're seeing on quote real people in your life, and it's degrading those relationships. And a lot of agents start off with two, three, four bonds and wind it and end a campaign maybe with like their drinking buddy or like a bond they made in desperation, like that's like bar patrons or something. And they've also racked up like insomnia alcoholism depression and are now like adapted to violence so they can't talk to normal people when that happens you take a direct hit to your score yeah it's your agents both get better from a skill perspective as time wears on but as people get so much worse and that's mechanically driven
2: that's wild so like if you rolled like a sanity roll and you have like bond you still have a bunch like several bonds left those bonds would be kind of plus 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 and then as you lose them they're no longer like. Assisting you, that's the bonds. Yeah, the you, bonds reveal you your Christmas them.
3: score at the start of the game, type of thing, and you can refresh them as a whole kind of a home screen mechanic. Where you can try and heal your bonds by spending time with them, giving them attention, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes what? those fail because hey, you saw something eat the face off another agent a couple days ago. And <laughs> turns yeah. out that might stick with you. That's yeah. wild.
0: Huh. I fucking love it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, as hell. it's cool. Sorry, you just sold me. That is a dark, dark, depraved, like just. Like you, like you described a spiral of horribleness yeah. Well, in terms yeah.
2: of role-playing it's fun to think to think about putting yourself in that mindset of like how would i be able to communicate like you said charlie if i just saw this beast eat eat the face off another agent a couple days ago like how do i go oh, yeah. from and that it, to like cuts,
3: yeah you can cool balance you get this kind of monster. okay it's like i'm going on the date with my girlfriend to kind of like try and heal this bond okay cool because i've been like projecting all the awful i've seen and you fail the role to heal it's like okay yeah you're in this Italian restaurant. You failed the role. What on the table sets you off? Like, does the pasta start moving or something? Oh, no, no, no. Or like, do you see something horrible happen? And like, your like, does your girlfriend's face look like a thing you saw out there for a split second? Or just like, she keeps asking you what's wrong. You say, "Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing." You kind of exploded her at some point. Yeah, the it's, lobster's just too
0: much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that that has like. That there's a lot of sensitivity regarding certain um, psychologies in games and discuss and, and you know certain yeah. c- certain you go to your your sessions and you say hey guys let's let's talk about what we're not going to talk about right? yeah like, what's too much and it sounds like that's almost hard to do in this one obviously there's still lines like you could have eldritch horror and PTSD but it sounds like you have to this is one of those things where you you can't avoid the topic of PTSD
3: yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be speed testing like it's they have a whole list of things you can pull from that kind of make your agent worse but yeah it's like I said this is not a game for everyone this is definitely kind of if there was a tabletop RPG that kind of fits that PG-13 R category this is definitely that like it's by design a more kind of mature and nuanced and I will say the game does try and go about interacting with these topics with the best intentions and with the kind of best attempts possible that kind of falls on you the players and the handler at that point to make it still work that way type of thing. And it does, let's just say, hey, we're not touching this because there's no good way of both mechanically representing this kind of mental disorder, or mental kind of, what's my phrase, like neurodivergency in a game and have it be fun for people and still be sensitive. Like yeah. your character cannot become bipolar over time because that's not how being bipolar works.
0: Yes, that is, I am so glad we got to hear about this because I think that's so cool. I'm gonna have to shove this into one of my... Uh, on our Saturday group. I'm going to have to shove it to them. Just do a one-off session to see how it goes cuz likely they're going to think it's a superhero thing and they're all going to die immediately. Yeah. And then they'll learn. And then the next one off, they'll learn. That's No, cool, so that's
3: kind of the cool thing about the game is it works very well as kind of like hey, here's our 4-hour break from our normal stuff or it can be like, yeah, we're doing a year-spanning campaign. Like again, anything you can do in Call of Cthulhu kind of length and complexity wise you can do in delta green and there's a decent chance your agents might actually survive a bit longer like they're a little bit better at not just getting offed they're still kind of bound by normal human constraints but like you're not going full pope up oh, sorry about pulp pulp rules where you kind of feel a bit more invincible you're still kind of yeah you still feel fragile you have 12 health and a monster can do 20 in one attack mm-hmm. be smart yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah all right man thanks a lot for helping us out and giving us insight this is a Great system that I can just see the joy on Alex's eyes of conspiracy theories. Yes. Oh no, no, I, I feel like if you guys do a
2: one-off, let me know like when it's happening because I definitely want to give it a shot too. I'm not... oh, yeah,
3: there's a great um, one of the other kind of good introductory scenarios is called PX Poker Night. It deals with uh UFO crashes. Ooh. Ooh, there we go, there we go.
2: Now we're talking. Now we're yeah. talking. Oh boy. But- But wait, I'm just I'm just a a a local parole officer who just gets wrapped up in
3: the action. That's that's my role in this. And you can do that. They have they have (laughs) stats for that character in the game. (laughs) Uh, You're not that clever, Alex. (laughs) Damn. It's (laughs) a game where normal people would find themselves in these searches in the kind of these bizarre circumstances. And the game also does kind of present this kind of interesting mechanic where it solves a couple of kind of tabletop RPG problems for you because it says, here's why your characters are all together. Delft said they're all together now. And here's why they're talking to people because they have to investigate. Here's why people are talking to them because they're either actually federal agents or they're pretending to be federal agents. Mm,
1: so it's a good way to kick in the door on a party that's not very nuanced. Exactly, the, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Cool.
2: The Michael Scarn play.
1: That's what we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: have you seen The Office? No, I have not. It's the only thing he does. He plays his stupid character Michael Scott and all he does a kick down the door and yell police or FBI or whatever it doesn't matter but, that oh that kind of play that kind of play
0: I <laughs> I love the idea that a lot of these new systems are about their about their lore because not about the mechanics anymore um so like this conversation has been mostly about the world of Delta green mm. and not mm-hmm. so much about the mechanics and that's what's so special about this kind of stuff is you have to spend so much time being a DM to learn that universe so that you can then be vague about the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's an art. (laughs) It is an art. Yeah. Well, Charlie, I want to thank you for bringing us on. Where can they find you for more of Delta green, listening to this drama and people go down the spiral of shitstorm? We are anywhere. podcasts
3: can be found. We're also on YouTube. We occasionally do stuff on Twitch, but yeah, uh, any kind of podcast director you use, we're on there to search negative modifier and, If you see a skull with a dice kind of in its forehead, that's us. Um, If you prefer video or kind of subtitle versions, we're on YouTube for that reason as well. But yeah, we also have negativemodifier.com that will get you to any of the places
0: we can be heard. Awesome. We're going to put a link in the doobly-doos down below. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for joining us. Thank you for educating us. Hugely appreciated.
3: Yes. Yes. Thanks for having me
0: yeah good
2: to meet you man thank you so much yeah. and that does wrap this episode of Ronan Geek Official Podcast then so you can find us of course at Ronan Geekery on Twitter you can find us on Facebook Rona Geek News and then uh, I'm on the Twitter too you can hit me up Alex Austin W and uh, what Movie House Rich Movie Geek House Movie Geek House that's where Rich that's where you can find Rich on there as well from uh, Raised by Spoilers and that does wrap it up thank you so much for joining and listening today and we'll talk to you next week nice